0: Welcome back, folks. It's Chase and Josh with Factor Fantasy. That's Chase and I'm Josh, and we're here to give you Episode 7 in Season 3 of The Witcher here today. We had some crazy shit happen in Episode 6 that Chase took us through, the big battle at Eretuza, the aftermath, and a little bit of, uh, really honestly, an action-packed episode from start to finish. This episode, a little bit different, and we're going to get into that a little bit i'll be the one taking us through here in episode seven before i do i'm going to turn the floor of to chase to say a few words
1: yeah man only two episodes left uh let's get it going malice in the chalice i'll let you take us away lots to talk about after you take us through this recap here
0: <laughs> cheers brother Cheers, buddy. Yeah, no, you are correct. There is a lot here. I mean, it's funny, right? Because there's a lot, but not a whole lot that happens in this episode. So without further ado, I'm just going to guide us through this quick little recap, and we're going to dive into the rest of the good stuff that we got for you here today. So episode seven opens up with Siri falling through a rip in the sky. And as she lands on the, the sand, it just looks like a big desert she looks as she's stranded in this huge desert and before we get really anything other than her kind of falling down and hitting it we get a scene that cuts to the ruins of Eretuza we have Yaskier looking out into the rubble in the courtyard from the balcony he's calling out for Geralt and Ciri he's looking around Eretuza or what's left of Eretuza I guess I can say and as he's looking for them he bumps into his old pal Radovid it was completely on accident. He already said his goodbyes, Radovid. They, it was not on good terms. Yaskier is pissed at him. And he had a right to be, because Radovid was using him to get the Siri. It was a whole thing, and, you know, uh, Yaskier doesn't take too kindly to betrayal. So, in any event, Radovid tells Yaskir that Dijkstra and Filippo weren't the only ones scheming at Thaned, and that they suspect Vilgelforce conspired with Nilfgaard and Amir Var Emrys, and ended up taking the continent by surprise. And in Radovid's own words, he says, The second war has begun. Pretty powerful stuff. And from there, Radovid tells Yaskier to go. Yaskier says that he's going to help Radovid get out of there first, and he explains how he can get Radovid out and as far as Oxenfurt. Radovid then asks Yaskier to come with him, but Yaskier says he has to find his family. In Yaskir's own words, some dialogue here, he said, You don't understand. The war brewing outside is nothing compared to what Geralt will unleash on this continent to find his daughter. Badass line, super cool and you know, maybe some foreshadowing, hopefully some foreshadowing I guess I could say <laughs> for the future there. Uh, that from there the, the he doesn't he tells Radovid to look for Geralt first because he saw the tower explode. And he felt the shockwave. He doesn't think Siri survived it. Rydavid told Yaskir this that he saw the tower explode, felt the shockwaves, and he doesn't think Siri survived the explosion. So, the first thing Yaskir ends up doing, though, he doesn't find Siri or Geralt. He finds Jennifer. He asks about Siri, and she tells him that she was seen at Torilara, but has searched sense and they can't find her. He asks about Geralt, and she tells him that Triss brought him to Bro- uh, Brooklyn. The forest there that we saw back in Season 1 to heal and that he actually might be dying. And Yaskir says, shit, this is bad. And from there, the scene moves to Geralt on Death's doorstep. He's in Brooklyn Forest. It's a Season 1 full circle. Remember we saw Cyrilla run into Brooklyn Forest when she was escaping from Sintra back in the day. So, uh, you know, one of the few things that Season 3 has done well in this series has been bringing things back from previous Seasons and keeping them fresh in our minds. So I do appreciate what they've done on, on that level. But Ethne and the natives are trying to heal him, and he tells them essentially, don't waste your time. Like, you know, I, I'm useless to everyone. And, you know, she says, uh, Your friend, the sorceress, which was Triss, right, left this for you. She said to tell you something out there waits for you. And what she hands him is the old talisman that he took off Renfri's sword or dagger from back in season one. Again, these cool full circles that we haven't really thought about too much. She tells Geralt that Cirilla was their guest too at one point, and that she was able to find him, and he says, yes, she was able to find me, but I lost her. And from there, the scene moves over to Ciri in this desert. Siri's calling out to Geralt, calling out to Yennefer. There's no one there. She's just kind of in the middle of this fucking desert. <laughs> Uh, it was kind of interesting, too. We see kind of how much Siri is starting to gain some level of independence because her whole shoulder and arm is really fucked up. She can't move it, and she ends up snapping it back into place herself. I thought that was pretty cool. You know, She's thinking about what Geralt would say to her and how he would tell her to you know, suck it up and, and do that, and she's able to draw strength from that, and I think that's really cool and really good character progression for her. You know, as as Siri's searching through her stuff, she finds the token that Yen gave to her and she tries to use a spell. It's unsuccessful. And in the background, we see someone in black robes off in the distance. And Siri doesn't see this person at first, but I feel like she senses a presence at the very, very least. What did you think about this?
1: Yeah, it was uh, it was weird honestly. <laughs> it was really kind of my thoughts. I thought it was very out of context. But I'll let you take it away cuz
0: they'll they'll get my vibe in just a bit. Yeah, no worries, man. So she's all alone. She's going through a few scenes of moving through the sand. She opens up something and puts it on her head and she also eats it and she says it feels better. I don't even know what the stuff was. I'm assuming it's some witcher stuff almost like meal replacement kind of deal if I was uh, correlated to what the real world might be. I don't even know. I couldn't tell you what it was. But she goes off into the direction that the sun is setting, thinking that's going to take her to shelter in the mountains, and she drops a container that had the stuff that she was putting on her head and eating. She drops that, leaves it behind, doesn't even try to pick it up. And the reason why this is important is in just a few scenes, I'll tell you what happens, but she keeps going, it gets dark, she sings to herself, she's walking, day comes around again, and... She finds a rock with dew residue on it, and she starts continuously walking, and she actually sucks on the rock to get whatever little moisture was off of that. And the camera pans down, and we see the container that she left. She went in a big old circle around the whole forest walking day and night. So that was pretty creepy shit. In any event, at this point, she calls out to the wind, saying she knows someone is out there, and for them to show themselves, there's no answer. And she walks a bit further. She thinks she finds water, but this is this weird, slimy, sticky substance. She's putting her hands in it, and it's really gross. The texture of it just seems nasty. And at this point, a white unicorn appears out of nowhere. And there's some interesting backstory to this because of the conversation she had with Yennefer about this. And obviously, we know unicorns are some sort of mythology, whether, you know, they never really existed and, and all this. There's just a bunch of you know background research you all can do on unicorns. This is not the point of what we're doing here. But in any <laughs> event, a white unicorn does appear out of nowhere. Starts jumping up and down, kind of like a warning or a signal. And the, sl- the slime shows its true nature. And a, a mouth opens up with razor-sharp teeth on either side, almost like a Venus flytrap, and tries to snap shut. And, and Ciri is able to jump and roll out of the way just in time before she gets caught by that sand monster. And as she jumps out of the way at the last second, the white unicorn approaches her. She attempts to follow it, but it darts off without her, and she's unable to follow it. It disappears. And as she's kind of walking in the same direction that she thought she saw the unicorn in, she gets stuck in this huge sandstorm. She doesn't think anyone's going to find her. She thinks she's going to starve, and she's also thinking she's going mad. So she finds these eggs, and she starts eating them. And out of nowhere, she has this vision or illusion of her mother Pavetta. She appears to her and tells her that there's no way for a princess to behave. Pavetta tells her that she w- or Siri tells Pavetta that she wishes she was there and they should have had more time together. Pavetta starts getting nasty to her but again it's all in her head. Her mind's being mean to her and playing on her biggest insecurities. And, and that's going to play into a big aspect of what happens here later on when you know maybe she's not crazy and thinking someone's around in the sand area. Right? So she ends up finding a lizard. She grabs it by its tail and bashes it against the rocks, and she eats it raw. It's very animalistic, kind of gross, man. What did you think about that scene?
1: Yeah, you know what it kind of reminded me of was, remember, I think it was, like, episode four, where she found that, like, wyvern, and you thought, like, it was kind of going to be friends with her or something, and she just fucking killed it? She's a savage, man. She's kind of like Geralt, in a way. Like, she's taking more of that Geralt-like aspect Um, where you can kind of see where she's just, like, you know, survival mode. Like, definitely takes the emotions out of context. So you can see that kind of part rubbing off on her in a way. But, yeah, I mean, I'll let you take it away. For
0: sure. And to her detriment, though, she doesn't feel well afterwards. And all the pain that she witnessed Yen and Geralt endure, it flashes through her mind, and she falls to her knees and throws up. And when she finally comes to... She's in a dark room, and the black-robed figure tells her that she shouldn't have ate the lizard because they're poisonous. And the black-robed figure tells Siri how uh, she herself killed her family, and she almost seemed happy that she killed her father. You know, she was like excited to tell Siri that she killed her father. And Siri, they have this discussion about power and all this, and Siri tells her that she thinks that she herself has the power to change things and the black-robed figure says that she's not the first person to think that, but she could be the last. And she wakes up again, and she's back by the rocks in the desert, and here comes the white unicorn all over again. <laughs> uh, Siri wants to pet it so she knows that it's real. The unicorn doesn't let her, and the unicorn trots off again, and Ciri follows. This time it stays within a reachable distance, and it takes her to a vein of water that she digs into, and she's finally able to drink some level of water that isn't either slime or poison and some level of substance at the very, very least. And she was even kind enough to share some with the unicorn. And she, after she drinks her fill, she keeps it moving and she finds a bug first, grabs it, eats that, very Timon and Pumbaa style from Lion King. It was crazy. You know, she's just doing what she can to make it through this fucking desert, bro. And she's talking to the unicorn and she tells the unicorn that it would have liked Roach, which is Geralt's horse, and... Uh, interesting, and, you know, from last season, the the horse died after one of its battles, but, like, the horse is back now? I don't know, dude. Very fucking weird. We can talk about... Yeah, Jason, let me get your thoughts on that. Can I say
1: that, too? Because I thought I was just, like, missing shit. Like, I was, like i thought he was dead but i was like maybe she's talking about like another horse that they named roach but i'm so glad you caught that because i just didn't even bring it up because i was like maybe i clearly missed something she said here but yeah the horse died and they made it like it was a big like sad scene in season two we talked about on the show but yeah you're like Yeah, you remind me of my dead horse? Like, who the fuck says that? It wasn't even her horse. It was
0: Geralt's horse. She told the unicorn that the unicorn would have liked Roach. Like, I I just don't understand where... I thought, yeah, you said Roach is dead. And maybe she's talking about it in the terms of uh, that... Roach is gone, but if they had the chance to meet... But it just didn't make sense in the context that it was it said was in. So, either way, it was either poor writing or a plot hole in either event. But either way, yeah, <laughs> Thank dude. Thank God they,
1: you caught that, because I thought I was losing my mind. I was like, obviously, I'm not understanding something, but okay, we're on the same page. Okay, back to you, brother. For sure, and to your point, too,
0: maybe they just got another horse and named it Roach all over again, and we missed that or something. I don't know, but it was really weird, and so I'm, I'm glad that you also had an issue with it, but... In any event, they continue moving on, and the day turns to night. Her and the unicorn sleep next to each other, and when the day hits, they start moving again. Ciri walks up on another rock cropping and sees human bones and a skull. And this time, another illusion appears to her, but instead of Pavetta, it's her grandmother Kalanthi, who was really big in the first part of Season 1 of The Witcher. She was the leader of Sintra. She's, they. she was the, the whole queen of it, and... Cintra fell at her, under her rule. Like they got taken over by Nilfgaard. So, any event, Calanthe appears to her, and Ciri tells her to go away, because she knows it's just an illusion. And Cirilla talks to the Calanthia illusion, and she says, You want me to die? And the Calanthia illusion responds back to her, I want you to wake the fuck up. And the illusion, again, is feeding on her insecurities to the point where she C- Siri tries to throw a punch at, at the Calanthe illusion, ends up punching the rocks and breaking her hand. And the day turns to night again, and the black robe figure comes back. And she says, Another tip. Don't punch rocks. <laughs> and Siri says back, The only conversations I've had are with my subconscious urging me to kill myself. And the black robe figure is like, Well, how do you know I'm not here to do the same? And Ciri you know, still doesn't know. She like, Well, maybe you are. So they just kind of have this feeling out process of conversation. And the black rope figure tells a story of how her father denied her her destiny so she rallied the common folk and took it in an unforgettable way. And she realizes that she's heard this story before and again, another full season or full circle from season two she realizes that she's speaking with Falca. And Falca was that really feared, powerful individual uh, that was like the elven, I don't want to say an elven warlord, so to speak, but definitely a major force and someone that they've sang songs and wrote poems about since her time has come and gone but you know now this is weird because has her time come and gone is this another illusion we're still kind of stuck with with questions here is this actually falca and she's just been hiding out in the desert but if she's not in the desert what the fuck is she doing out in the desert i don't know man so there's some questions that we got here and then to continue on from that Ciri realizes uh, that in this... Well, the story said about Falca that she was a demon, a cursed Alvin monster. And we learned that Falca actually just cut her ears into points and let her be what people accused her of being. She says she killed people who wanted to kill her or who wanted to use her. And she wanted the freedom to feel her rage. And she wanted to stop shaming herself for what she couldn't control. And she even tells Cirilla, Falca says, You want to change the system, Princess Cirilla? Burn it to the ground. And after that, she disappears and leaves Siri alone again in the night. The sun comes up again, and Siri almost doesn't wake up. But the white unicorn nudges her awake, and she says she's unsure of how long, much longer she can last. And she senses something's not quite right. And as they're walking, another monster just pops out out of nowhere. And these monsters coming from the clouds, dude? Like, there's... Like, they, nothing was... I don't know. Some of the ways these monsters just appear is interesting. But anyways... And there's this. I called it a mix between a scorpion, a centipede, and a praying mantis. <laughs> That's what I said it was. I don't know. It was kind of a mixture of all three of <laughs> those things. That kind of monster attacks them. The unicorn tries to ward it off, but gets injured. Siri uses magic to push the monster off the unicorn, and then she rips apart the body armor from this monster and caves its head in with its own body plate, killing it. She goes to tend to the wounded unicorn, she puts a salve on the wound, and she's able to get the unicorn up. And they keep moving, and they come to a spot to rest, but the unicorn its in bad shape, it can barely move. She opens up the, the little bandage salve that she put on it, and she looks at the wound, and it's it's bad, bad. It's like a, a mortal wound. At this point, Falco reappears and taunts her, and Siri tells her that she has nothing to draw from in terms of magic... Like, to help heal this horse. And Felka reminds her that she herself, Cirilla, said that magic is everywhere. And she looks at the fire. And we know fire magic, big time forbidden with mages. We've seen a few people do it. Yennefer's done it. We've seen Stregobor do it recently at the Battle of Eratusa, And now we've got Ciri looking down the pipe at some fire magic. Which is going to be all bad because she doesn't know how to control her powers yet regularly. Now you're going to add fire magic to the mix? It's going to be gonna be rough, man. So Ciri tells her no, because fire magic's forbidden, and she's seen what it does to people. And Falca tells her that it's either she uses the fire magic to save the unicorn, or the unicorn's gonna die. And she tells her to reach out and let the fire in. So Ciri puts her hand to the flame, and she takes a palmful of fire, and she brings it to the unicorn. And she puts it on the unicorn's wound, and she heals it, but now the unicorn doesn't trust her. The unicorn, like, Hops up and runs off because she let the fire magic enter, and that's a forbidden thing. It's almost like a, a sacrilege against nature. So the horse is no longer her friend, I guess I could say, and it trots off. Now Felka tells her to let it go along with all those who are afraid of who and what she is. And Ciri says that the fire feels easy and it feels good. And Felka tells her that it's not a curse, it's a gift. And Felka tells Ciri that she will change everything... And then, without even giving her an option to make her own choice, she pushes Ciri into the fire. And like the, the, the flames start surrounding Cirilla. They're coming up slowly. And Falca tells her that there will be a time of contempt and that finally she can take back what's hers. Falca tells Ciri that her enemies deserve to suffer and that she should make them suffer. And Falca just starts poisoning Ciri's thoughts about those who care about her. Tells her the ones that she loves are going to betray her and trick her. And she says that she's never going to... Ciri tells, in response to Felka, says she's never going to give them up, but Felka says they're going to only let her down. And Felka keeps trying to convince her to give in to the pleasure of the fire magic and release all the hesitations. And in Ciri's mind, she's seeing Yaskier almost get it beheaded. She sees Yennefer uh, being tortured. Same thing with Geralt on this, like, machine that pulls limbs apart. It's a whole ordeal. And But Ciri stands firm, and she says, I relinquish my powers. Then the screen is engulfed in flames, and goes completely black. As the screen starts to come back into focus, a band of scavengers find her on the edge of the desert, and whoever they report to is looking for Ciri, so they pick her up and drag her off to bring her to that person who is searching for her and and is ordering her capture. And from there, the scene moves to Yaskier, and he starts speaking in elven as he enters Brocklin Forest. And there's a lot of words said back and forth, but the main crux of the matter is that he is there for Geralt, and he's trying to see Geralt. They don't really care, though, the Guardians outside on the the, the sentries, I, I can call them. They don't really care. They've got their weapons drawn, pointed straight at Yasker. They're ready to turn him into uh, Swiss cheese, man, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> and he tells them, you know what, all right, I'm just going to sit down. I'm going to wait right here. Please don't you know, fill me with a bunch of arrow holes and all that. And So he sits down, and he starts singing a song in the Elven language. And it moves the elves in a way. You can kind of see them start to relax a little bit. And then the one who initially, in the beginning of the episode, smelled Geralt, uh, she appears. And she tells Biasquia that Geralt's dying and that he needs to come along because Geralt needs him. And Yaskier noticed that there are many people in Brooklyn, and not all of them are women. And this is really different from the tradition that they've held for some time. And he brings it up, asks what changed, and, and the lady tells him war. Like, that's what's changed. So they, they have refugees that they're protecting, and, you know, there's not just women there anymore. There's also men, and, you know, that's not something that was allowed back in peaceful times. But war changes things, and that's essentially the message that she relays to him. So we get to, to Geralt. He approaches Geralt and Geralt is pff, looking in rough shape. Here. You know, his eyes are all <laughs> purple and his body doesn't even look like he can move an inch. And Geralt asks what, you know, whatever strength has been him. He asks what news. And Yaskir gives him the bad news that Ciri is missing and that Yennefer is searching for her. He tells Geralt that there was a village outside of Roggeveen, and that Nilfgaard raised it to the ground and there was no survivors. They killed everyone to find her and he says it worked and gerald hand or asks, Your hands gerald a paper and guys i actually paused it on the screen and i, I read it from the top and i just I'll, I'll go ahead and dictate it exactly what it says from the beginning of this pamphlet to the bottom it says emperor emir var emrys princess Cyrilla fiona ellen Rhiannon has been recovered and shall be received as an honored guest of Nilfgaard, where she will be restored to her rightful throne and coronated Queen of Sintra. And Yask- after he, like. The Geralt takes a look at that pamphlet, Yaskir says she's on her way to Nilfgaard. And the screen goes over to Geralt, and he's taking in the gravity of the situation. You can see the concern and worry in his face. And that is how the episode pans out and ends with Geralt understanding that she's been captured And she's being taken to Nilfgaard as they speak, and it's almost like a hopeless feeling because he can't even move. He can do nothing about it while they're taking his surrogate daughter, you know, someone they consider as a daughter, off to the Emperor of Nilfgaard and knows it's going to be a lot harder to save her, keep her safe. If she's captured and she makes it there to Nilfgaard. So we're going to see if that's actually the case next week. If, you know, anything, you know, there could be some trickery involved. Who's who and all that. But in terms of where we leave off here in Episode 7, that's how it closes out, man. And so I know it kind of just went through that whole summary I want to give you, Chase, the opportunity to say a few words on it, give your takeaways for it, give me an idea of where you thought it ranked in terms of a numeric scale on a 1 to 10. Just give me your thoughts on the episode as a whole.
1: Yeah, great recap, by the way, too. Um, it, it, so what I'll say is, looking from an outside perspective, if I had just watched like this only episode And not known about the other episodes I mean it was okay like there wasn't any like thing I terribly hated I thought the roach thing was weird but it definitely made me think of like some new twists and turns that they could be throwing in I like that they put that little quote in trying to reference the book (laughs) time of contempt that was their little easter egg there Um, but it definitely kind of makes you kind of step back a bit for me and think wow okay maybe they're trying to take siri on her own a little bit more but i gotta be honest man my big takeaway is like holy shit this was out of context like i did not expect this episode to be like like maybe if you want to do like a even a like a 20 minute segment of her like in the desert trying to figure things everything out but, like, the whole fucking episode was about Cirilla in the desert. Like, okay. Like, cool. Wow. Not to mention, like, I was so thrown off because, like, we just got done with the elves. Like, if you want to do that, that's great. Save that for next year. <laughs> Save that for another time. Like, this has been my whole problem this whole season. Is I just felt like, why bring this in now? Like, Falca is supposed to be a really big, like, you know, that big warlord, big, like, god of elves whatever she is right if you want to make her a villain or make her drive power out of Cirilla why are you doing this now like you're gonna force us in you got two episodes left and this is what we choose to do for the entire hour segment is walk around the desert and we don't even know if Roach is alive or not (laughs) funny note there but point being is like I don't have a problem with it written in like the twist and turns and her tapping into fire magic like that's kind of cool like i really like the full circle moments and that's something like you said you gave a testament to it there they've done well on that this season but why now this is like the same problem with the mandalorian had i don't know what it is with these season whatever they are man you know season threes season threes everything's coming in threes well no one apparently knows how to fucking do a transition because I get it, like, seriously like, that shit blew up. And how the fuck is she in the desert all of a sudden? Like, we just go from, like, a beach in Araduza, um, to now you're, like, in the middle of the Middle East or something. I don't know where the fuck they were. I thought she was going to find a magic carpet with all that fire magic. What the fuck was going on? So overall rating for the episode, if I've looked back as a critic and this is the only episode I've ever seen. I would grade it really well, but knowing that we've gone through the whole season and we're final, we're just deciding to put this in, I'm going to give it a 7.5 because like script writing was well, but I just don't know why we decided to do that. Like, I don't know why we're introducing these different things They're really trying to push Cirilla here, and yeah, the monsters are always fucking sick. That monster is badass, but like, that monster came out of fucking nowhere. Like the sand pulled it out of its ass, and she barely defeated with kind of Geralt's help the sea monster or whatever the fuck it was. And now we're fucking dominating scorpions on our own in the middle of the desert that are like 10 times our size I don't know man but I'm gonna go with seven five I think that's fair uh, I can't rate it in higher because I just felt it was very weird to me it was it threw me off a good bit what do you think what are your takeaways
0: yeah I thought it was strange in a certain aspects. So, I will say, I don't mind them bringing Felca in at this point in time. Leave us on a cliffhanger for the big villain of the next season. That's fine with me. I didn't have a problem with that so much. What I did have a problem with is, is something that you alluded to, is that we spent an, almost an entire hour just watching her in the desert go through day and night, and nothing really changing. And as You're coming up on the end of a season that, for future seasons, you're losing your main character. like Essentially... This is going to be a fully different series next season. So if the character who plays Geralt, Henry Cavill, is in fact not re-signing this contract, and we have brought in Liam Hemsworth, and he's just going to turn into Geralt, like, you would assume we're going to focus a little bit more on the, the last ride, or if, if that's a good way to say it, of, of Geralt, making sure we're fo- he's the main focus. Because we we've got all the time in the world to make Surreal the main focus if we're going to make this character change. So I just thought it was a big waste for the second to last episode in this season to follow Scylla through the desert of just going day to night. Some things are real that she sees. Some things are not real that she sees. It just seemed like a very wasteful way to spend one of the last episodes with your main character who brought the role to life and who it was centered around in season one. Yes, we know going forward we're going to shift it into Cyrilla, but I just thought we're, we're really not capitalizing on the, the the limited time we've got left with Henry, Henry Cavill portraying Geralt. I thought that was a big mistake because in that whole like you said we had it was a 55 minute episode probably 45 minutes of the 55 were spent in the desert. Like, we really couldn't do anything else during that time period. Like, we get it. The days turned to night. It took her a long time, and she almost didn't survive the desert. There's just other ways that you could have showed that. And this is the thing that pisses me off. So, you're going to sit here and tell me you got, you <laughs> got to take 45 minutes to get her to cross a desert, but, like, they can cross a continent in less than 20 minutes. Like, how are you going to... Like, how does one take that long, and the other is just like, yeah, no, they're here already. Geralt's over in Redania, and all of a sudden he shows up in Eratusa in 10 seconds, without a portal. You know, he's chasing off the wraiths to Moorhawk. What the fuck were they doing in this season? They never came back <laughs> up again. So, like, my point is, is, like, I just felt, I just don't, there's no continuity. There's no consistency. Yeah, cool. You can show us how long it takes when to get through a desert, but you're not going to show us how long it takes when to, to travel the continent. They're just there automatically. I don't get it, man. That didn't make no sense to me at all. The other parts of it. I thought were pretty cool. Like I said, I think Falca being introduced now is fine. She can be introduced as something to think about for the coming seasons. But now I'm starting to think in my head, I'm like, dude, you know, and I think I guess I better throw this as a debate towards the end about Falca. But I don't know if Falca was more of an illusion or maybe, like, I'll I'll put up some potentials uh, later on. And there's some things obviously we can't talk about too much today because we still have an episode to go next week to finish this season three out. the witcher but it's just um i'm not really sure what we're doing if we're we're introducing villains all along the line here we had like i said the Raids of Morog make an appearance and they never show up again and falcon comes in here so are we gonna pay attention to one are we gonna pinch the other are they both gonna collide and make different there's just i don't know there's no continuity there's no consistency you gave it a seven five i don't hate that score i will say just because of the lack of consistency i almost thought the episode was boring in some parts there was a cool aspect (laughs) of her drawing fire magic and we've got to consider that going forward of what that's going to entail but then that draws a question too because i remember specifically i even wrote it down her exact quotes were i relinquish my powers what does that mean you relinquish yourself into the fire or you're done with magic period because like i don't know did you like The fire went away and burst up my screen at that point, and that's all I saw. That's how the episode ended. So when you say you relinquish your powers, what the fuck does that mean? You, like, are are succumbing to fire or you're pushing the fire away? I don't fucking know. They didn't explain that. Didn't get explained in the next episode next week either. So it just left me with too (laughs) many questions to really uh, rank it highly or give it a reasonable score. So for myself, I would give this episode a 7.1 out of 10. Left me with too many questions. Was not entertaining. Got to watch sand fly across the screen for 45 minutes. She ate a lizard. Cool, man. I don't know, dude. Like It just it just wasn't my cup of tea. Honestly, you know, and, and not to foreshadow too much, but in two weeks, Chase and I are going to do uh, an end-of-series episodes that we normally do for our big arcs. And, you know, if we're going to talk about episodes, I'll tell you what, this one ain't going to be in the top. <laughs> I'll say that. It Just there's too much strange stuff going on not enough of uh nothing really attention grabbing the only thing that we really got Cyril tapped into fire magic Falcon made an appearance but we don't know if Falca actually made an appearance if she's an illusion and it was just Cyrilla's way of surviving the desert we don't how we have no clue and you know part of that's cool it'd be cool if you left us on a cliffhanger in certain ways but I just I I didn't feel like I don't know, I'm, I'm not sitting here on the edge of my seat like Wanting more. Like, oh, yeah, I got to figure out what this fire <laughs> shit is. We got to figure out, you know, is Felka coming back? You know, is she going to join Cirilla? Like, I don't care. Like, it's not... You just threw her in out of the clear blue sky. We haven't heard her name mentioned since season two. But, like, you're going to pull it from the side? Like, where is this coming from, you know? Like, I would have rather Voleth come back, you know? But I just... I thought this was kind of strange, man. So, and maybe, you know, there's some new... There's some... You know... Think the dots we can connect on that I don't know, but long story short, I there was things I liked about the episode, but for the most part, it was forgettable for me. You know, there's there was a few things that stuck out that I will remember going forward of this one, but for the most part of this episode, it was largely forgettable. Doesn't really, uh, I don't know, for where season three looked like it was going, it took its own little turn. Yeah, she landed in the desert because of the rip in the sky from Torlaro, and she blew up. And you know, apparently she's fine. You know, and I'm not gonna say anything about the appearance of somebody else later on yet. But you know, she, you know, her arm was dislocated, and she fell through a tear in the sky into this desert out of nowhere. You know, and it just conveniently happened to be that the desert was still located on the continent and not somewhere else in space and time. I don't know, dude. It there was just like I said, no continuity, no cohesion. Not my favorite. So uh, Again, the last, last thing I'll say on it in terms of my takeaways, 7.1 out of 10. Is there anything you wanted to mention off of, of my takeaways before we jump into debates?
1: Yeah, I just have some, like, thoughts I want to bounce off of you. Like, this episode, it felt like to me, like, this episode would be good if it was, like, an episode 2 or 3 of, like, a random season when you have those filler episodes that are trying to build up in a plot that's what this felt like and one why the fuck are you trying to just i guess like you said i can get on board with you with falca being introduced but like why the fuck can't you pick a direction is what i want to know it's like this whole fucking season we can't pick a direction i brought this up before and it got so fucking repetitive. We were like, God, we got to stop talking about this. Like you keep bringing up race and moron. Well, yeah, like you said, why the fuck didn't they just bring up Voleth Mir? <laughs> like, it's like, it's almost like they're trying to make writing references to previous seasons and bring them full circle at the worst time possible. Like it, it's, it, it, this, and what I want your take on is what's funny is Jane Ellie for our audience here you know, we hang out all the time, we're best friends, and he picked me up earlier this week, and we were just chit-chatting, shooting the shit, right? And I was like, bro, did you check out that Witcher episode? What the fuck happened? Like, we started off with bangers, and, like, but it just wasn't what I was expecting. Maybe I went in with wrong expectations, but how do you go from, like, an episode that, like, Even though it had its plot problems, in my opinion, but I'm talking like full force last week. Everything comes full circle, and it's just an outright damn banger slugfest. Two were walking around in the desert for an hour, and we have two episodes left. What's funny is we always talk about this in seasons, especially with other franchises, Usually the episode before the last episode of the season is the one that it's like a fucking banger, right? And we're walking around in the desert. What's your thoughts on that? I
0: I, I can't put it much better than you did there. You know, the one thing I will disagree with you on is that one of the first things you said, you said this is like one of those filler episodes that you would use on in the early season to build a plot. I'm okay with where they put this. In terms of the season-wise, but I agree. In terms of this, could have been episode four. You know what I mean? This didn't have to be the second to last episode when your main character, star of the show, is leaving. You know, I didn't need to see this yeah. in the second to last episode of the season. It, it, there's just a lot that's going on that that you mentioned too. That the lack of direction super important to notate there. Like, I they're just it, it, I, I think they were. You know I can't even speak to what I think they were doing because I truly don't know what the hell they were doing. <laughs> like so to be honest, I, I'm thinking to myself like, well maybe they're just trying to throw some stuff and and see what the audience reacts to. And, and you know, fun full circle about this too. And when you were talking about me and you were chatting about this in the beginning when the first episodes came out, we I think I even said it on the podcast. I said uh, I think people are just giving it bad reviews because they're upset that Henry Cavill is leaving, but the series itself is actually still. The season itself is actually really good, and that was for episodes one and two. Now uh, we're getting towards the end of the season. I'm like, oh, okay. I kind of get it. <laughs> like, all right, all right, guys. Like, my bad to the audience for giving it poor reviews because honestly, I'm with you guys at this point. Like, I'm not sure what's going on with it. It's it, it lacks cohesion. It lacks direction. It's it's all over the place. And like I said, I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but you would really think that if you've got two episodes left, you're going to focus on the guy who brought the eyes and the attention to the show. And, you know, there's a couple different directions you go with him. But I did not need to see Cirilla walking through a desert for 45 minutes at a time. I didn't need to see that. I don't think anyone wanted to see that. Because at the end of the day, like I mentioned earlier, there's two things that stuck out. Cirilla is now engulfed and fire magic Falca may or may not have a role not sure right so those are the two things outside of that you know maybe scavengers picking her up is something important but that's not really going to stick out to me Yaskir and Yennefer looking for her and walking around like no I, nothing's really going to stick out there so, I will agree with you in the sense that this could have been an earlier episode. I will disagree in the fact that I don't think it need to be an earlier season. I think it season 3 would have been just fine with it, but you got to make this like episode 3 or 4, you know. Uh that that's what I think about it. Have her lost and have it like there's just so many different ways you could have gone about it. But I it was I don't want to say the because obviously the episode itself it it it's building to another conflict i just think we could have done it at a different time and this was the wrong place for it and largely a forgettable episode and that's just like what i think on, on that end did you have anything else you wanted to discuss about it too before the debates
1: now I you mean, know, let's jump in the debates i mean i don't want to beat a dead horse i just feel like it's way out of place and I feel like we keep getting the same fucking pattern this season. It's all over the same play. It's all over the place. And not to make a comparison to a franchise we always bring up, but no one went looking for Arya Stark. I feel like every time I fucking turn around, we're looking for Cirilla. Like, every time I fucking turn around, someone's looking for Cerilla. Like, I, I don't know, man. It, it just gets almost like I was I hate to use this word. I was disappointed because i went into it with high expectations out of the week before and i was like man clearly people don't know what they're talking about because right as it started getting shaky shit fucking bounced back up again and that's what i wanted to see and then damn man talk about you know walking into a fryer pan I didn't know I was getting burned <laughs> when I was watching this episode, <laughs> like Cirilla did. But uh, yeah, man, I'll let you kick it off with the debates.
0: For sure, dude. And it's funny you said that because the name of the episode there, Out of the Fire and Into the Frying Pan. So slick yeah. move there, Chase. Saw what you did with that one. <laughs>
1: so punny. Is yeah, that and I, I say will say. Funny?
0: Yeah, right. And I will say, like, to disagree with you, again, slightly, slightly, not fully, they did send people out to search for Arya Stark in King's Landing, and Cer- uh, Cersei did send Peter Baelish out to look for her as well. So it's it's not that no one did, but yeah, it wasn't the focal point of the of the show by any means, and it does seem in The Witcher the focal point is 86,000 countries are looking for this damn girl. Elves want her, <laughs> the mages want her, Redania wants her, Nilfgaard wants her, Geralt and Yennefer want her. Like, dude, it's just it's a whole lot. Yeah, I get get it. I get your point overall. But, yeah. In terms of the debate I have here today, it's a big one because it really could shape how we view this show going forward. I want to ask you what you thought about Felka. Do we think she's an illusion? Was she in Siri's mind? Is it a real person? Does she actually survive this whole time? Or is she kind of in the weird spiritual realm between being alive, not alive? Is it actually a projection Sent by another villain, Bolethmir, Wraiths or Morog Are they pretending to be Falca to gain trust? Like, where do you? Th- what is this Falca deal? Do you believe it's real? Do you believe it's a, like? Wh- what direction do you think they're going in when it comes to the introduction of Falca into the series?
1: I. That's a great point you bring up because I think at first it was a true illusion, which is why. Remember when she saw, like, the slime. It was like she was starving for water. She was starving for days and thirsty and couldn't get water at all. And then, ironically, it kind of looked like unicorn blood. (laughs) But, yeah, it, like, wouldn't let her, like, drink it, right? Um, So I was thinking it was an illusion at first. I think it's interesting with the fire magic as well because where she said she relinquished it, I'm almost wondering if she's actually out of magic at this point and we're about to have another Yennefer <laughs> it's like full circle moment from like season two. That's kind of where I'm thinking it's going, but it's going to take more of the Elven side of things since, you know, ironically Yen's elven too. But I think I personally think it was Falca using an illusion, but I think it was actually Falca there. And I think it's kind of taking the exact same approach of Voleth Myr. And I think I've, I've been wrong multiple times on this show because, frankly, being honest, I don't know what the fucking their direction is at all. My personal thoughts would be based on watching this episode that their direction is that next season they're going to start focusing on Cirilla and her journeys. And she's going to have this inner conflict with things going on with Falca, kind of like how Yennefer did and how she kind of has like a loss of magic but starts debating, you know, it's interesting, like hard magic systems versus soft magic systems. Like, you know, in other franchises, sometimes there's not really as many rules with magic. Whereas like now, there's really a lot of rules in this Witcher um, franchise. So I think then she's going to start kind of debating um, what you know what she can do and what she can do almost like the Anakin Skywalker kind of thing like what side does she fall on here and whether she falls kind of what she determines is good and kind of that inner conflict with herself so I think that's where it's going to go but to answer your question directly I think it was Falca but I think it was Falca also using an illusion just like we've seen Voleth Mir use with Yennefer in season two what's your thoughts
0: yeah you know I'm conflicted because I also have been wrong a few times throughout this show as well when we were watching it one at a time to try to stay like current with what we were talking about. So it wasn't like we're just repeating shit that we saw. The problem is, is that you, because we've got no clue <laughs> where they're headed with it in the direction so wild that. You know, I remember one thing I mentioned that was completely wrong is I thought maybe Taron ended up being the bad villain overall, and that just didn't happen. It you know, kind of happened the way that it showed out there. But I will say for next week, I was right about something. I was right about some very big part, and I, I did not see that before. It was completely just me predicting on that one. But I I have a tough time throwing a prediction here because I think it could be a number of things. And to get into the detail of that, I think it could have been just an illusion, period. Like, if Helga doesn't actually exist, it'd be hard as hell for her to exist. Why would the fuck would she just be in a desert doing nothing? You know what I mean? If she's able to come to people and illusions and, and influence stuff, you feel like she would have done that already. It, like She's been gone for, what, a thousand years or so? I don't know the exact time frame. I didn't do a lot of legwork research into it. But she's been gone off this continent, thought long dead. If she had abilities to make reappearances and stuff and influence certain things you think she would have done it by now a few times over actually so it's tough for me to think that it's actually Felka there and it might because the lack of nutrition the lack of water dehydration all that can cause you to see things and we already saw her see things in terms of pavetta in terms of calanthe you know she thought she saw water she saw there's so many things that were illusions what's to say this wasn't uh, internal survival instinct I only got one option to get out here but then on top of that the, the only thing that you know could throw a wrench into that is where the hell did the fire come from did she build the fire and I just missed it you know or did Falcon just have that fire there conveniently for her so that you know that could be something I, I would look into to dispel that theory that it was just an illusion but I could see that as it being her own survival attack. In her mind, there was no other way to survive this desert. I gotta tap into fire magic or else all is lost. But she had to rationalize it by coming up with a villain that convinced her to do it because she wouldn't want to do it herself internally. That's a possibility. Now, I also think it's very possible that the other villains who we've not really heard from and the one that made a quick appearance and just was not mentioned ever again in the season... <laughs> they could be appearing to her as Falca, like Volothmier could be using Falca's likeness, or the raised mark could be using Falca's likeness to, you know. Cirilla's already seen Volethmere. Cirilla's already seen the raised marks. Maybe they're trying to trick her and, you know, make it so this is someone new this is a new individual, so she can be more trusting of that individual, or at least more open to it, where if, she, you know, if the Mir appeared to her as Voleth Mir, she ain't gonna trust her. If the Raith of Morog appeared to her as the Raith of Morog, they're not gonna trust, he, she's not gonna trust them. So, it's very possible they could be taking on a likeness and and tricking her because she was alone, and played on her insecurities, and played on the on her survival. That could be an option. And then there's the other option too, that, that truly was Falca, and Falca does go in and out And that she has some level of an embodiment but again if that's the case where the fuck has she been and why has she not done a single thing for thousands of years and then we come to the other potential you know solution or I guess I I can say what would make the rationality of Falco's appearance in this is that she is in between the spiritual and physical realm And the only reason Cirilla was able to see her is because Cirilla was essentially on Death's doorstep herself. And because she was about, you know, to kick it into the spiritual realm herself, she was able to see Felka. And we've seen some similar things like that. So that wouldn't surprise me if she's not really there, but she's kind of there and, and behind the veil, so to speak. You know what I mean? Like behind the spiritual veil. So those are four really valid options and things that could be the direction this is headed with, with Falca being introduced here. So to answer my own question, I, I don't I don't really know. I I, I would like to think <coughs> that it was truly Falca, and that would cause that would add some more interest to what's going on. But also at the same point, does it really Because now we just got another villain added to where we haven't had any resolution with the other two villains. Volhmir survived uh Kaer Moran she almost linked up with the Race of Morag to close out Season 2. The Race of Morag came in and came out like nothing. Like they weren't even there. And now we're just going to introduce another villain. Just, and Vilgefortz, he's the bad guy too in real world land you know so i I, I just (laughs) i'm just trying to figure out who the fuck's who at this point you know who's the bad guy we're focusing on there's too much you got too much going on i wouldn't say it's at the level of the eternals just yet but dude you got me following like five or six villains and i'm not sure which one i'm supposed to be following here which one i'm supposed to be really focused on like i at least you know to compare this to other works that we cover at least in marvel we know who the bad guy is most of the time when it was Thanos, you, 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 the cool part about Marvel is they almost make you feel bad for the villain or at least understand where he's coming from and why he chooses the path that he chooses, whether you think it's right or wrong. These things are just flying in from the clouds, man. I don't know what the reason is. They're just kind of there. There's no real structure at all. It's chaos. And then it's kind of funny because chaos is kind of a big thing with the Brotherhood and the Mages and, and the Witcher. But this whole thing is super chaotic. And we're following a bunch of villains over different time periods but still kind of intersected with this time period and trying to figure out which one we've got to worry about and it's exhausting and not in the fun way not in the whole oh i gotta think about this i'm so i'm curious no i'm like dude pick a fucking direction guys <laughs> so yeah dude that that's like my thought on that debate did you want to like say anything about what my part of the debate is before you click into your own or do you want to just jump right into yours
1: uh just a small part about that is just piggybacking off to off of you that's my big problem is i don't know what to trust anymore like i don't know what to trust because you're having us follow one thing and then now you're introducing another but yet on top of that like the real villain of the season like we just had an entire last episode about him kicking everyone's ass and now we're introducing someone else like what the fuck that's my big problem like Pick your poison, dude. And then, you know, I mean, it's just like, it gets to the point, it's uh, like Spider-Man 3. Like, you film the whole fucking movie, and then they're like, what about Sandman? Like, someone's just like, throw that guy in there. Oh, that would be great. Let's do that. That's a great idea. It's like, why? So, yeah, I guess I'll use that to dive into my debate here, which is a pretty broad debate, because... You know, what's sad is I wish it really got me, like, enticed. But, like, this is a broad debate here. Like, what fucking direction overall do you think they're trying to go in? Like, that's a very broad one, but it's a serious one. Because I'm truly confused. And, I I mean, we've done the show for three fucking years, and I've never actually been confused. Like, I'm so fucking thrown off on what their idea is. For what they should go with here, I don't know. And my big question is part of that specifically: is are they trying to get Cirilla to tie into the elves? And what is their fucking direction overall? Because I don't know. Well, it's tough to answer because I also don't know.
0: <laughs> I, uh, you know, <laughs> I can
1: give my thoughts
0: on it, and you know, my thoughts are: I think. The, maybe audience reception that's that's something i could think of you know here uh, trying to get feedback on the people that are introduced in the way that they're introduced and maybe if you know how you know how the world stormed to when before his name was grogu baby yoda came out also sudden, everyone's like oh shit like that wasn't even supposed to be the direction of that show it was supposed to be just follow the mandalorians right. but because yeah. it just took such a big it took the whole world by storm people really gravitated to that character that kind of dictated the direction of that show and where it went. And so maybe this is similar. We're trying to introduce a few things and see. Oh shoot, we want to really figure out what the Spelke girl's about now. Like fuck, with mirror, fuck, fuck. You know, raise some more. We're gonna we go here. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Again, I, that's just me like throwing shit out and you know, myself and hoping something sticks about, I'm right about, <laughs> about what I'm right about. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm trying to play their game. I'm trying to throw out words and see if any of that sticks, bro. But to be honest with you, it's tough to talk about a direction of the show because I I don't know. I I do think and to answer that question you asked me that they are going to tie Srila into the elves because many times throughout both season 1 and season 2 we've seen her having these interactions you know even when she went and took that vision with Triss back in season 2 we saw a little bit about the elves as well and how certain things came to be and the beauty and the terror of, of all of that and so yeah I think we have not tapped into a lot of the Elven side of Cyril just yet. We've been trying to get her to be a witcher. We've been trying to get her to be a mage and I think now we're, we're probably going to be rolling into Elf land here with her, you know, and maybe that's what we're doing Maybe that's what we should be following is is the progression of Cyrilla from the beginning and and as far as that goes And if that's the case again, that's fine. I, I don't mind that but if that's not the direction that the novels go in the video games go in and I can see why you would lose one of your main characters or main stars over that. You're taking it into a whole different direction and it almost seems like it's forced. It doesn't seem like a natural a natural motion. And again, I could be completely wrong. Maybe they're not trying to push her into the elves thing and they're just trying to make it through the series and say they did something cool. I don't know. I would assume they've got an idea of where they went. there are people and they've had jobs before. I'm sure they've written other shows and other pieces of work. So, that, you know, it's not, I don't think that they'd be incompetent and, and not have a reason for what they're doing. I just don't think that their reason is going to resonate with the audience. and I don't think it's going to be received well. And realistically, I, I'm kind of worried about the show as a whole, if it's going to continue or not, you know, and you know, that's something maybe we can talk more about next week. But at the end of the day, yeah i i I guess we can assume or i i'll make the assumption for myself that we're probably going to see cyrilla i don't know if embracing is the right word for it but at least involved more with elven the elven side of her blood and like her being since we have seen her already become a level of a witcher become a level of a mage now maybe we'll see what the elf side of stuff has, has got in store so only way i can answer it man i don't know what about you
1: yeah i truly don't know <laughs> i mean i think based on what i'm seeing is that cyrilla is going to wind up getting involved with the elves and it could cause an issue with francesca <laughs> we've seen her so i think maybe like cyrilla Maybe she'll even side with Falca at some point, and then that's, like, Well, that's assuming
0: Falca's real.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if she's fucking real at this point. I have no idea. And why the fuck are we, like, taking forever to get across the desert at the end of the season when we're teleporting at the beginning of the season? That's another issue I have. (laughs) But truly, I don't know what this whole direction is, because... And another point is, feeding off of that, why the fuck did we randomly decide Geralt's getting healed in the forest? Like, out of all, like, places. He was on a beach. And <laughs> Triss rescued him. I kind of I mean, like explain. this, though. I, I
0: do kind of like the reintroduction of Brooklyn, because we know that there's some powerful people there and some ancient people there, and I don't hate that so much. And it is supposed to be a sacred location, so... For me, that didn't cause me much of a problem. I think you're being nitpicky on that one, but I just want to interject that. I I think you're you're being a little too critical on on, on everything. I think something upset you and now you're mad about everything, but I don't have any issue with Geralt being held in Brooklyn. I think that's not a bad idea to get them reintroduced to the fray here.
1: I'll let it go, but I think it was the wrong time. I mean, Triss rescued him. Make that full circle. Triss can heal him. Pull some red woman shit. (laughs) But sure, fine. I'll I'll play along. I'll play along. But yeah, I I truly don't know what this direction is. I guess I'm assuming the next big bad of the next season, which I don't want to give anything away for next week. But I'm assuming, assuming he's still alive is the person we were talking about last week, and it's going to involve like falca now playing a role where she was like kind of the race so she's going to be the race of morag next season like we're going to see like one scene of her and she's going to disappear and we're gonna be like where'd she go and then we're going to wonder where the race of morag is and then they might throw them in at the last episode of next season and then we'll be like oh we have this person volat mirror that we forgot about and maybe that's the whole key maybe like five seasons from now if it's still around we're gonna have this stuff like last episode where you had, uh, you know, the elves and you had the mages and and you have Geralt, whoever that is, like all these people <laughs> come at once to fight all these monsters and it's like an ultimate monster battle royale. But I truly don't know, man. Like I, I, this has thrown me through a loop. Every single franchise we've covered, I felt like has had a direction and. Uh, it's very sad to say because when we first started this season i was thinking wow people are high off their ass they have no idea what the fuck they're talking about because call a spade a spade this is badass as fuck and now i'm like <laughs> this is confusing as fuck <laughs> that's what i'll say man so with that i'll let you close this out brother sounds like a plan So for all of
0: those who are joining us for the very first time today, welcome. We hope you enjoyed what you heard from us and stick around. For those who have been with us from the very beginning, thank you for continuously being the shields that guard the realms of fantasy. If you want to figure out where you can find us online on the social networks, we are on Instagram at officialridiculouspatronus. We're on TikTok at ridiculouspatronus. We have a backup Instagram at fact underscore or underscore fantasy. Back up TikTok at fact underscore or underscore fantasy. Facebook fan page, Chase and Josh Factor Pan- Fantasy. We have a YouTube channel, Ridiculous Patronus. We're on Twitter, RP Factor Fantasy. Snapchat, RP Factor Fantasy. We do have our own website, Ridiculous RidiculousPatronus.blogspot.com. So please click like, subscribe, leave comments, leave reviews, leave star ratings. All of the engagement is super important to us here at the show. And in, when it comes to the podcast itself, you can find us... If you're an Apple user, you can find us on Apple Podcasts. If you're an Android user, you can find us on Google Play. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on iHeartRadio. You can find us on Audible. You can find us on Stitcher. You can find us on Acast, Amazon Music, and our own host site, Podbean. Anywhere you get your podcasts, Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy are there. We are out for the day. This has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh. Factor Fantasy. Signing off.